Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, September 8th. How evictions are going forward in San Diego. We'll have more on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Scripps Health is reporting that since last Thursday, they've had 23 coronavirus-related deaths. Nearly all were unvaccinated, had underlying medical conditions, and ages ranged from 50 to 99 years old. Scripps Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ghazala Sharif says they're running low on ICU beds and life-saving heart-lung bypass machines. She also says they're short-staffed. Some people don't want to be in healthcare anymore. They had enough. You know, we did this pandemic once. Why do we want to do it again? Um, So they don't. And, um, you know, people are getting tired. They don't want to pick up the extra shifts anymore that they did the first time around. She says it's even difficult right now to find travel nurses who are willing to work. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria announced the launch of a new workforce development for young people ages 16 to 24. The million-dollar program funded by the city of San Diego will gear up young San Diegans with training and job opportunities. With unemployment rates remaining high among young adults, Gloria says a program like this is needed. For everyone who's claiming that there's not enough workers who are out there, we know that there's an untapped resource uh, here in our young people. And with the help of the Workforce Partnership and the five community-based organizations, We are going to prepare them for the world of work. Applications are available on the Workforce Partnership website. Cal Fire San Diego says the brush fire southeast of Rainbow is holding at 54 acres and is 90% contained this morning. The Aruba fire sparked up on Sunday afternoon, causing evacuation orders near Rainbow Crest Road. They have since been lifted. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. San Diego County's tough eviction protection ended a few weeks ago on August 14th, and tenants are already feeling the effects. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim says tenants are being legally pushed out as investors look to capitalize on the region's rising rents. Frances Houston and her daughter Vanessa are packing up everything they own. It's all packed up to leave, you know, and I still have clothes in the closet, so we have to get more boxes, you know, to put our things in. But that's about it. That's all we've been doing since they told us we had to move. Last month, their new landlord said they had to leave their El Cajon apartment. It wasn't just them. Their apartment complex was sold to a new owner this summer. Shortly after, they, along with their neighbors, most of whom are immigrants or senior citizens on fixed incomes, were told their leases were being terminated to remodel the apartments. Vanessa Houston thinks there's another reason. They can't say evict. If you're doing like if you know like Kovac or something like that, because people can sue. So what they're doing, they're saying, oh, well, let's remodel and get these people out and raise the rent. Up until mid-August, San Diego County had an eviction ban that prohibited landlords from pushing people out for reasons like remodeling. But that expired and the statewide eviction bans protections don't go as far. Houston currently pays $1,100 a month and can't afford to pay the $1,550 the apartment will cost after renovations. I was figuring like maybe 13, 12 or 13 is the best we can do, you know, for just a one bedroom, just for my mom and I. And um, nobody has that. Nobody. 
Raising rents after fixing up a place is common practice and perfectly legal, says Terry Moore, a landlord and the co-owner of ACI, a San Diego income property brokerage firm. So for the last 40 years, the textbook solution was buy the building with the right things wrong with it. If it's got ugly paint, if it has lousy management, has poor tenants, has poor landscaping, that's the right thing wrong with it. You fix that and you can rent it for more. But right now, he says, things are different. After 30 years in the business, he's never seen such a high demand for apartment complexes. He says rents will continue to rise and believes building more apartment complexes will lower high costs, but not anytime soon and not in time for everyone. Things are expensive in California and not everybody can afford to live in paradise. Across the county in Chula Vista, more residents are being pushed out. Charles Canizales, a student, and his mother Gloria have lived in their apartment for 12 years. Actually, I was born in this hospital right next to our house. I, I attended Vista Square Elementary School right in front of our door. Like the Houstons in El Cajon, their apartment complex was sold to a new owner and they were asked to leave. Canizales says the new landlord took down their door numbers, took away their doorbells, and routinely turns off their water without proper warning. We reached out to the company Robert Stack & Associates, but they refused to comment. Canizales is worried about the toll it's taking on his parents. My mom actually just got, she got sick, she got shingles because of the stress, and then that's really what worries me the most. The Canizales don't want to go away quietly. Instead, they joined ACE, a local tenants group, and are demanding stronger tenant protections. Gloria Canizales wants people to join together. She says that help is out there, and it's vital that community members rely on each other during these hard times. Because united, they are strong. Mom, my backpack, can you hand me that? It's right there by your feet. Meanwhile, in El Cajon, the Houstons are still packing up to leave. By your feet, Mom. Vanessa is her mother's primary caretaker, and her federal unemployment check ended last week. We're paying our bills on time. We're doing everything required, but we got to leave. And now I don't know where to go. She's worried her credit score is too low to get another apartment and fears she and her mother could end up with no place to live. And with the last of the statewide eviction protections set to expire at the end of the month, the Houstons could be the first of many displacements on the horizon. And that was KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim. A first-of-its-kind investigation about older adults who are homeless on the streets of San Diego was released on Tuesday. KPBS's Melissa May has more on the findings. All my resources were gone, and I ended up homeless, sleeping in my car. <laughs> Sylvia Martinez used to hold a corporate job. She became homeless in 2010 after being misdiagnosed with a brain tumor. There's a lot of people over 55. Um, there's no resources unless you have a job. There's no resources. Um, and if you don't have a job, you end up homeless. And that's what happened to me. The facts in this study are sobering, but the solutions are achievable. Paul Downey is the president and CEO of Serving Seniors, a nonprofit focused on assisting low-income and homeless older adults. They released a report on the needs of older adults who are homeless or at risk of losing their homes. Over a quarter, about 2,000 of the folks on the streets in San Diego are over the age of 55. 88% of them became homeless here in San Diego. 
and 43% of them are homeless for the first time. Their study found many homeless seniors are on the streets because they can no longer afford a roof over their heads. Most of the seniors that are out there on the streets are economically homeless. Things like illness, rising housing prices, uh, loss of a job or caregiving expenses for a spouse contribute to a financial collapse. Downey says the lines between housing and homelessness is a very thin one. More than half of those interviewed report an additional $300 a month or less was the difference between being housed and unhoused. The report includes a list of potential solutions, including providing more resources for seniors at homeless shelters, and even finding a way to provide that extra $300 a month. County officials say the report gives them particular insight into the community and can help guide and focus their efforts to help older people who are homeless, like Martinez, who now has a roof over her head. We don't all have mental health. We don't all have substance abuse. We don't all lack skills to get a job. It's the homelessness. And that reporting from KPBS's Melissa May. Community activists gathered at Valhalla High School on Tuesday demanding answers about a viral video allegedly showing a white campus officer using a knee to the neck to restrain a black student involved in a fight. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more on the follow-up. The video has splattered across social media since it was first captured August 31st in the outdoor lunch court at Valhalla High School. You can clearly see two students in a fight. What's not clear is why one of the white campus supervisors allegedly ended up on the ground, restraining one of the young black girls with his knee. Putting her stomach to the ground and putting his knee to the back or near the back of her neck, where does he get the logic that that kind of action between a school supervisor and a child is okay? Shane Harris and other community activists are demanding answers and information from the Grossmont Union High School District. Superintendent Teresa Kemper released a video response last week acknowledging the incident on the Valhalla campus, but will not say any more until an investigation is completed. We know the female student involved in this incident is in foster care. We also know she has not returned to school, but because of confidentiality, any other information about her is being kept private. Her parents are the County Board of Supervisors. That's who's entrusted with this young lady's safety. That's who should be talking right now. San Diego County Board of Supervisors Chairman Nathan Fletcher knows where the buck stops when it comes to the safety of foster children. The county has almost 2,100 children in its care right now. If folks that are, that are involved in any security or law enforcement situation have not learned by now, you ought never put your knee on someone's head or neck, that is a problem. Uh, and as a county, we will look into this issue rigorously and do everything we can uh, to ensure it doesn't happen again. These community activists will meet with the district superintendent by the end of the week, while the campus supervisor involved remains on paid leave. And that was KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. California state lawmakers wrap up their legislative session at the end of this week. Here's CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon on what's left on the agenda. One of the most closely watched bills of the year would create a process to strip police officers of their badges if they're found guilty of certain crimes or serious misconduct. It's just one procedural vote away from heading to Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. 
Lawmakers are also considering proposals to crack down on protests outside vaccination sites and a bill to create a new workforce to handle wildfire prevention. That's currently managed by CAL FIRE, which is overwhelmed with fighting wildfires during longer and more intense fire seasons. Lawmakers have already approved more than 200 bills. The legislative session ends at midnight on Friday. And that was CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon. Coming up, the governor's recall election is less than a week away. Will young voters turn out? Will California's uh, fully diverse electorate turn out? And will this be a representative as well as a large electorate when all those ballots are eventually cast? Political scientist Thad Kauser gives us his take on how things will turn out. That's next, just after the break. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Less than a week remains before California voters decide whether Governor Gavin Newsom will finish his term or be recalled. With a crowded field of candidates from a variety of backgrounds, KPBS takes a look at the likelihood of a recall at this point and the issues involved. UC San Diego political scientist Thad Kauser spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Voter turnout has been identified as being central to this election. What do we know about turnout so far? Well, so far, these mail ballots that are coming in are fairly representative of what the California electorate looks like, at least in terms of parties. So Democrats who haven't been all that energized with the recall, not nearly as much as Republicans, are indeed sending in their ballots, those ballots coming in with with a strong Democratic lead. But of course, as we often see with voting by mail, these ballots tend to skew a bit older. Uh, and the question is, will, will young voters turn out? Will California's uh, fully diverse electorate turn out? And will this be a representative as well as a large electorate when all those ballots are eventually cast? For people who haven't voted yet, what do they need to know? Well, they've got uh, a week to either uh, mail it in. You can mail in your ballot by election day, or you can drop it off at drop boxes. There are locations all uh, all over California, as well as these vote centers, these early vote centers that will be open the week before the election. That's how a lot of ballots come back. And you can also track your ballot. Secretary of State and registrar, local registrars will work with you to make sure your vote is received. You know, voting has been underway for weeks with vote by mail. What do we know about people who have already cast their ballots? Well, we know that they're about two to one Democrats, but we don't know how they voted. What we know from polls is that Gavin Newsom seems to be really shoring up support among Democrats. Uh, and, and those Democrats who are on the fence early in the campaign, they've been sold. And, and that's probably because 
The alternative uh, to Gavin Newsom seems to be very clearly uh, one of the Republican candidates, most likely Larry Elder, the, the, the talk show radio host. Gavin Newsom have moved, has moved this from being a referendum on himself to a referendum on uh, one of these Republicans and where they would take the state. That seems to be bringing Democrats back home, according to polls. There are a lot of names on the list to replace Governor Newsom should he be recalled, though many are are far from household names, at least until recently. Uh, Who is the top competitor? Yeah, there's no Arnold Schwarzenegger in this race. Uh, and Republican support has coalesced around uh, Larry Elder, who is leading in in just about every poll as the replacement candidate. He is a lightning rod with a long record of, of statements, many of which have endeared him to his supporters, but also been highly controversial to, uh, to, to voters on the other side. I mean, this guy recently took uh, tried to make the argument that people who owned slaves deserved reparations. Absolutely. Right. So that's a clear distinction between a, a, you know, a, a Democratic legislature that's put in place a commission to study reparations for formerly enslaved people. He has said he, he supported uh, a policy that Britain had of paying reparations to slave owners. That's as strong a contrast as you can get in anything. I think it does mark him as, as a Donald Trump-like candidate. Also, he's been very strong on what his policies would be on COVID, uh, of, of getting rid of mask mandates and vaccine mandates. So what are the top issues in the campaign right now? Well, Californians have been focused on housing and homelessness and the affordability of California for a long time. Before the pandemic, this was the the main priority in Gavin Newsom's uh, State of the State address. That remains uh, a major issue. But I think the, the primary issue in this campaign, just like the primary issue that we've seen in American politics over the last year and a half, is how should we approach the pandemic? And this Recall really generated its uh, enthusiasm and fervor when California's economy was shut down, when schools were shut down. Right now, uh, as as schools reopen, as schools have been been able to be open, as businesses have been be able to been open, how do you set in place the policies uh, that, that keep things open? That's what the parties have different views on, and that's I think how voters are making up their mind. You know, unlike the last uh, recall election in 2003, the Democrats don't have a major candidate on the ballot. What impact do you see that having on the election? Well, this is a big gamble by the Democratic Party. Gavin Newsom pushed for it because it set up the choice he wanted. It's Gavin Newsom versus a Republican and other Democratic leaders and all the major Democratic candidates went along with that strategy. If if Gavin Newsom wins, uh, then that strategy paid off. But it's a big gamble. There's no plan B for Democrats. And and if Gavin Newsom can't pull this one out, uh, that strategy of leaving no Democratic mainstay on the replacement ballot and and risking uh, making it Gavin Newsom or nothing, that that big gamble, if it doesn't pay off, will will, will be a huge loss for Democrats in, in one of the nation's bluest states. And there's been a lot of discussion on how democratic or even constitutional the recall process is. Do you think the recall process will change in the future? I think Californians will take a very hard look at it. But remember, Californians t- thought about that in 2003. The question is, will will this recall be the moment that could lead to reform of a process that, that most Californians after 2003 and those I talked to today don't seem to be satisfied with? Can we have a sustained constitutional revision process? Uh, that'll be the, the question. And I think, ironically, if, if Gavin Newsom survives this recall, 
and and Democrats in Sacramento can push for reform without it sounding like seeming like sour grapes, that might be the the window of opportunity for finally reforming the recall. Thad Kauser is a professor of political science at UC San Diego. He spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.